0: Welcome those who are uh, live streaming with us and you guys gathered here. Beautiful fall morning, getting a little chillier out there. Uh, We are in week five of a series called The Godhead. We spent three weeks talking about God the Father, and then last week we learned about Jesus Christ as our friend. I love how the Bible really describes so many descriptors of Jesus Christ, you know, bread, light shepherd and you can just keep naming them in your mind but today we're going to look at mediator you don't hear that too often and i always thought that maybe we ought to put that in a praise song you know like way maker miracle worker mediator advocate my that's why i don't write praise music anyway eric would be like oh my gosh but it's amazing how god Desires for us to understand in so many ways the complex uh, things that God has done in order for us to have access to the throne and not have that chasm between God and you and me. So, mediator, and this is a, a pretty deep uh, subject today, and I want to dig into it. And I think it begins with the fact that I think every human heart has that search for something. Deep in the soul of humanity, there's this void, and it seems like that void a lot of times cannot be filled. We're looking for that thing or something to help meditate, something to help meditate that chasm, that divine chasm that seems to be be between the divine and to our mortal existence. Many times we feel so separated, and we want to belong. We want to be fully known. We want to be fulfilled and have purpose and to see how we are created and how that relationship can enhance our lives. St. Augustine stated, our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. I believe our deepest longing, though, if you really think about it and break it down into the fine details of your life, is to be connected to God. Our text is from Paul's letter. First letter to Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Let's take a look at this together. He says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom, ransom for all people. You see, mediator is one who bridges the gap between people, someone who reconciles conflict and relationship, and Jesus is our mediator ...in this spiritual way. Unfortunately, like I said, there's that chasm between God and us. There's this infinite gap that was brought about by human rebellion... ...against this this loving authority of God. And that rebellion is called sin. Humanity is stuck in this endless cycle of sin. Sin both external and internal. That action that happens exteriorly... ...and then even internally with the soul through our thoughts, words, action... And it really, when it boils it down, it's rejecting the holiness that God wants us to have. And we miss the mark. That's the way Apostle puts it in the letter to the church of Rome. Rome, specifically, all people are under sin. All people have sin. And we're under sin whether we want to be or not. However, you don't have to look very far to see it, do you? I mean, today, I know my heart drops into my stomach with what's going on in our world it has everything to do at its core core element of sin. It's not the issue of COVID-19 or racism or bullying or strife or disunity. It really, when you boil it down, is about sin. I plead every day for our country to come back to God. And I think we're firsthand witnesses to some real spiritual bankruptcy, and it's sad. I know it sounds harsh, but the ramifications of excluding God and continuing in sin will have serious implications for us personally, socially, nationally, relationally. You know what? The enemy wants us to believe that, oh, you're just fine. You're good. You can get along and you don't need all this God stuff. I've even had some folks tell me, you know, Pastor, I want to come to church. And I want to feel good. You know, I want to hear all. I want to hear all this bad news, sinner stuff. And I, just, well, but there's good news too. There's good news. There's victory news. There's life-giving news, and it's news about the remedy for sin. And it is, with that word that describes Jesus this morning, mediator. Jesus mediates. Our sin was so great that, God, that God, it took God dying as the only possible remedy. God the Son took the, the life of a, of a human as a person. And that's why Paul emphasizes his humanity, saying the man, Jesus Christ, in verse 5 of our text, Jesus was the one mediator. And he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. And no one else could ever live. No other human had been worthy or perfect to be the sacrifice and our ransom to pay that penalty for sin. That's what qualifies Jesus to be our mediator between God and humanity. If you were in mediation in a court, wouldn't you want someone who's qualified Or just someone who walks in saying, I really don't know how to do this, but I'll try to get you guys all healed up here in this conflict. No, Jesus is the perfect qualification. He's the one mediator. We find firsthand that He's fully divine and He's fully human. He's always been one with the Father. And He was telling His followers in John 14 about God that He made the claim that no one goes to the Father but through Him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And They were trying to grasp the implications of this. And even Philip says, show us the Father. That will be enough for us, Jesus. And Jesus, he's basically saying, show us the Father and we'll believe that you really are the one that's qualified. This is how Jesus responds. He says, I've been with you so long, still you don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And Jesus represents God, and the scriptures say that God is love. And so he showed the full extent of his love in this mediation by giving this life for us. And so he's beyond qualified to do this for us, to fill the separation, the chasm. God loves by giving himself. Love, relationship, restoration, peace is really at the core ...of this mediation. So if God is love and Jesus is God who became a man... ...then the actual essence of love became human in the person of him... ...and we have that access through him. One of the ways Paul says that Jesus became our mediator... ...is that he gave himself as a ransom. You ever think about that word ransom? Just for a second. He talked about this in Matthew 28... Jesus was speaking of himself, the son of man came not to serve but to be served and to give his ransom for many. Webster defines ransom as a sum of money or other payment demanded or paid for the release of a prisoner. And for us, it implies the release of captives, the unlocking of chains, and the freedom found that he has done this Through his supreme sacrifice for humanity, an intentionality of giving himself to redeem or make payment with himself so that all people can be brought into a restored fellowship with their creator and experience an abundant existence. God the Son being the only mediator to God the Father, and he's the only one who bridged that infinite gap between God and his people. I love what 1 Peter says about this 3.18. He said, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And think about Peter. He followed followed Jesus, and he came to that conclusion in his writing, in the supernatural revelation of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ is indeed this mediator. And you see that in the Bible, humans have tried to mediate, (laughs) Moses was used mightily by God to do amazing things, but we know the story. If you read in Exodus 32, Moses goes and he ascends to the hill um, to be in fellowship or be with God. And the Israelites build a golden calf while Moses is on the mountain, and he comes down from the mountain, and he's shocked. It, it, he's blown away by the sin that he sees as they worship these idols. And he goes up to the mountain, he tries to atone for the sin of his people. He asked God to forgive them. And even at one point, he tells God, he says, take my life, that they might be forgiven. He literally tells God to blot out his name from the book of life. And God, in some sense, says, Moses, you can't atone for the sins of your people. God rejects that offer and says, whoever sins against me, I will blot out of my book. Moses couldn't take upon himself the sins Of the people, he was only a man. He could not be the ransom that forgave the sin and redeemed humanity. Do you see how this mediation continues to move forward in our lives and in our restoration with God? Jesus makes it clear. He said, no one takes... My life for me, I lay it down on my own. And he did that without coercion. He did that freely for you and me. And when we get that into inside of ourselves, we know that we can have incredible access and fellowship, divine, supernatural fellowship with God. And the author of life chose death so that we could live. And when he was on the cross, he died this brutal death. And he took upon the consequences of our sin upon himself, and he paid that ransom with his death. And he conquered death. Death couldn't keep him. And the resurrection is a guarantee and validation that God the Father accepted that sacrifice, that payment, that ransom, once and for all, for the world. That's the gospel. Part of mediation, intercession. We find that he is still interceding for us. He's very active continuing that. Think about that just for a second in the midst of what we are going through presently. That Jesus is interceding. And it's very powerful when you look at this activity as Jesus does this. According to Webster, what does intercede mean? It means to pass or Go between, to act between parties with a, with a view to reconcile those who differ or contend to mediate or to make intercession. What the fascinating thing is, is that mediate means between two extremes. To interpose between parties as the equal friend of each. To negotiate between persons the variance with a view to reconcile, to mediate peace and intercession. Listen to this. This is fascinating. Mediation and intercession define one another. You can't have one without the other. And Jesus is called the intercessor as well. You know, it goes on all the time. If you go to court, you hire a lawyer to intercede and to represent the facts about what's going on with you. And Jesus represents us, He's the ultimate and final go between. Jesus functions as your representative, guaranteeing you access to the Father. And what happens is, is if you really dig into this, that Jesus actually became an attorney on both sides. Both. To plead for God (laughs) and to plead for you. Amazing. (laughs) This intercessor. You know, in the summer I would spend a couple weeks with my, my grandmother... And she was a just a wonderful, very incredible, short, (laughs) fluffy Catholic lady. She lived in Western Hills, and she would pull me around. It was I went to her for a few summers until I turned like sixteen, and you know you get your driver's license, and I would hang out with Mary Coleman, my grandma, and we'd ride the bus, and she would take me to mass, and then after mass we would go and we'd pray and light a candle. To the saints. I still remember the, the smells in that Catholic church, and I'd hear her murmuring prayers, and we'd go over to St. Joseph or we'd go over to Mary, and she believed that there was intercession there with the saints. And you can talk to, to Catholics about that. And Catholics can point to some scriptures about the communion of saints. But I point to this main text there's one mediator. One intercessor. Why go through a saint or through Mary when you go directly to the one who mediates? That's why when we finish our prayer, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Remember that. Finish that way. I remember stopping a prayer and just saying amen, and my seminary professor said, Jonathan, in Jesus' name. It's like, okay, man, you got it, buddy. Not only does Jesus intercede for us, but he calls us to intercede for the world. In our text today, I don't know if you caught it, he said, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all of those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. It pleases God when we sacrificially intercede for people. God works through your prayers to bring uh, peace in this world. Our intercessory prayer is an extension of Jesus' ministry. And as Christians, it is an extension of our ministry to one another. We represent God to our neighbors and our family and our friends. Yesterday we had, a, we had our worship at the brewery at Little Miami and Milford Brewing Company in this, these, this uh Daughter and mother came up, and they were just grieving because the daughter, who's 30 years old, one of her best friends, who just had a baby a couple months ago and had, has two older kids, just found out that she is terminal with cancer. And they said, they were just like, Jonathan, would you please pray for her? You know, we had our masks on. I was like, well, if you're going to ask me to pray, we're going to pray right now right in the middle of that brewery. And we interceded as if we were taking God's hand and taking this young mother's hand and standing in the gap and interceding for her. Masks on, but circled up right there, intercession, pleading, praying for a miracle and for healing, giving her over to God. You know, every Sunday after the service, I love when our prayer servants walk up here. And, and I think it's just beautiful how you see prayer and intercession happening here. And at Salem, the campus there. Be an intercessory prayer for one another. It's a great time to do that right after worship or to kneel and just lay down your burdens to the greatest intercessor, Jesus Christ. It's a primary ministry of the church and is an extension of Christ's ministry. Not only Jesus is mediator and intercessor, he's also our advocate. I was a, I was a uh, junior, it was around 1991, I was a junior in college, I was working on my social work degree. And I was a victim's advocate in the Campbellton, uh, Campbell, Campbell County courthouse. And what I did was is I would call victims of pretty serious crimes, whether it was a domestic abuse and you would call uh, the wife or the girlfriend or the ma- man or husband and uh, you just gather all the facts and you give these deep particular facts which were sometimes just so hard to hear and you would give them over to the court representing Campbell County and you are advocate for that person in a very very deep way it was difficult at times at times and when we see that we see that Jesus has this advocacy that wants to put our, <laughs> lay our burdens and our troubles and our, those, that, that, those things that we carry, that he's an advocate to the Father, and intercessory. And you see how all this goes together and entwined in a very powerful reality that we have access to as Christians. He's an advocate of forgiveness, an advocate of healing burdens and inner healing that can happen to us. He's the one that says, (laughs) there's no condemnation. There's only acceptance. Paul agrees in Romans 8, 34. He says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God who is also interceding, advocating for us. Ernest Hemingway wrote a story about a father and a son who had a serious fight. In the story, the boy finally runs away from home, and the father is just grieving. He's not content to let his son go. He loves his son, and he wants the relationship restored. In an effort to find his boy, the father put, it, put an ad in the Madrid-Spain newspaper... It contained these words. Dear Paco, meet me at the town square at noon on Sunday. All is forgiven, your father. That Sunday, 800 males by the name of Paco showed up at the town square. They came seeking forgiveness with their fathers. They came to be healed and restored in relationship, to be forgiven of their sin. And Jesus was probably standing in that town square, grabbing sons and fathers, mediating, advocating, intercessing with them. And he'd have done it for every one of those 800 men. You see, when we come forward to this table, we find this incredible God that is doing all these things, and it's so active and real at communion that we celebrate together as the body of Christ in unity. It's his body broken, his blood shed. It pays the ransom for our debt. It's Jesus Christ, this great and only divine mediator It's God that knows everything about you, about what's going on, and wants to be an advocate for all of that pain and those things that we carry. And he's done it. He knows it. And on the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, he paid the penalty so that we could live and have free access to the Father and boldly approach that throne of grace. Never feel alone again. Jesus did the work so that we can come to him with absolute confidence. His work of the atonement on the cross is finished. And he did it all to fill that chasm. You know, and you can come to him. His work as a mediator, what's incredible, it goes on and on. Intercessor goes on and on. Advocacy goes on. And on and on. And so I want to make sure you have your communion cup there. We're going to now go to this table of grace. On the night that Jesus was with his disciples. He was showing them the incredible extent of his love. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke the bread and he said, take and eat all of this for this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said to his disciples, take and drink all of this for this is my blood of the new and everlasting covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup do this in remembrance of me remembrance of his mediation let's pray together God pour out your spirit upon these gifts of bread and juice and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we would be the body of Christ interceding for this world, just as you've taught us. Make us one with you, boldly approaching your throne through the shedding of your blood and the breaking of your body. God, we thank you for the freedom at this table that we are no longer slaves or prisoners but God, that we are sons and daughters who have been paid with a ransom. And so, Lord, we come now together as Christians praying the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's go ahead and, as we know, we've been doing this for a while, right? Just loosen up that that thing right there and let's tear off the top layer. And come to this Eucharistic meal free and partaking the body of Christ. And then take off the second seal. And take and drink, for this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, this supper that we can all come together as one and experience that great chasm being filled between you and us and, and relationships being restored with each other. Thank you for your forgiveness, the access you give to us as your sons and daughters. We love you. Thank you, O oh great mediator, advocate, intercessor. We give thanks for this time, this holy meal.